Voices of the Elephant is proudly sponsored by SiteGround.com, a leader in website hosting and a terrific partner for all your website projects. Their top-notch technologies will make your websites fast and secure. Did people reach out to you or what would you have loved that people could contribute and help you in, a, in, in this regard? Yeah, this is actually an interesting thing because there's so many, I mean, there's so many frameworks and al almost none of them have reached out. I've actually seen that lots of them started developing their own, like very simple debugging things like their sure. debug bars and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but never really pushed to the use. And there's some notable exceptions. Welcome to the Voices of the Elephant podcast. Each episode of Voices of the Elephant brings you an interview with a member of the PHP community. From project leaders to user group organizers, we talk to the people that are helping make the PHP community special. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Voices of the Elephant. I'm your host, Wasim Karate, and today my special guest is Derek Rittans. Welcome, Derek. How are you? I'm good. Yourself, Wasim? It's been ages since we have spoken, right? Indeed. I recall that back in 2013, I uh, interviewed you for the 7PHP uh, blog. One uh, line that I remember is that you could, you write emails and you write documentation. It all happens for you using Vim. Oh, yeah. So are you are you still 100% with Vim or have you switched to some other cool stuff? It's mostly still Vim, although I do some of the work on the XDebug website. I use uh, I use PHP Storm for because it's a bit easier to add okay. things and stuff like that. And uh, I also remember that we met back in 2014 at PHP Northwest in Manchester. It was the first time I met you. I was like, wow, I finally met Mr. Derek Retans. It was oh, so nice. It's a good conference because there's always so many other people there as well. It's something right. that I actually really miss from the last few years where they've just not happened, right? I've indeed, been, indeed. I've been stuck at home. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we can, uh, in the years to come, we can get back. Oh, yeah. Let's start by getting an update from you. Uh, what are you currently doing? Uh, what are the cool projects that you're working on? First of all, uh, introduce yourself to the people that might not know you. All right. So, hello, I'm Derek. I'm a long-term PHP contributor, and I'm the author of XDebug, which hopefully you have heard of. If not, please go look it up on the internet. It is uh, a debugger, a step debugger primarily, to make it easier for you to step through your code and figure out what's going on while your application is running. Uh, but yeah, I've been around the PHP project for a long, long time, since about 2000. So I've contributed several things there as well. For example, the daily time support I've been working on. And then, yeah, in the last few years, I've started working nearly exclusively on PHP, or rather on XDBook, I should say, and trying to create some more commercial things around it so that I can support myself with that. Thank you for all you do with XDBook. I have been using XDBook for so many years, and all thanks to your hard work with XDebug. I would like to ask you, was there an IT influence to your childhood? How did you get started with programming, especially with C? There's quite a lot of time between me starting programming and learning C, to be honest. When I was in my elementary school, uh, say 11 years old or something like that, 
I would on Wednesday afternoons we had only half a day on Wednesdays, so I'd go have lunch at my aunt's, and they had an old MSX Basics computer that I played mm-hmm. around with and programmed my own little things. Not that you could do a lot with it, but it was mm-hmm. uh, it was a good good way of starting to get going with things. So yeah, I and they had like a book with things to type in, right? <laughs> type okay. in your own codes okay. and stuff like yeah. that. And then over the course of my high school, I started working with Pascal a little bit and Delphi. But I didn't really start using C until I went to university. In one of our projects, we had to write C code without it being taught first. To implement like a TCP-like protocol over a serial connection. Well, a nice way to get started. Yeah, well, that was a bit of a, a deep dive there, but uh, because I've used so many other languages, the concepts of programming languages are at that moment not very strange anymore, right? You know how to structure things and how things work. So the only thing that I need, really needed to pick up there was pointers, and mm. that wasn't that hard. And uh, yeah, I ended up helping quite a few of my other fellow students uh, uh, doing that and finishing the project. And then at the same time, Another project that we had a few years, I think a semester later, I don't quite remember, to be honest, because it's so long ago. Um, we had to implement a, a language parser to implement a very simple language, like to move like a cursor around on the screen and stuff like that. And that's how, how I actually sort of got into like language design and, and parsers. And that's, although back then it wasn't particularly very interesting, it was very useful in the end when starting to do things with PHP or rather uh, improving PHP. So that's sort of where that came from. Good story. Let's get started with Xdebug. Uh, what is currently the state of Xdebug? About a year and a half ago, I started working on rewriting Xdebug because of this 20-odd year software. And you know that any old project like that has developed a lot of craft, right? Let's call it technical debt, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> That's the right word. And yeah, it was, I mean, if you see code that you've written yourself 20 years ago, I'm sure you can appreciate Definitely. that. Now you will do things very differently. Sure, for sure. And also because I had, hadn't had a lot of time for the seven years prior to it because I had a full-time job and busy. And fun things to do in London where I, where I had then just moved to. Uh, Xebooks. I didn't really spend a lot of time on it. I didn't get a lot of attention that it really needed. So I started working on Xebook 3.0, which is a much more modularized. It's much faster. And it's much more easier to maintain for me to, to out support okay. for, for future PHP versions, for example. And continuing with that, every time there's a new PHP version, so PHP 8.1 coming up now, I need to out support for that again. So that takes time. And there's this two still a few outstanding issues that that I didn't manage to solve for Xdebug 3.0 because there was just too much stuff in it. You are only the only person uh, contributing to Xdebug, right? Pretty much the only one, yeah. There's a few wow. smaller uh, patches and pull requests, but it's mostly me. You mentioned that uh, it did not get the attention it needed. Did that decrease your motivation to continue with it? Or are you doing no, the passion? It, it wasn't much. That is that I had other things to do as well, which at most times I found more interesting to do. So I did that instead. Made sure um, to keep it working, but not put any more effort yes. in that. Are you like investing into any kind of strategy to to grow uh, Xdebug uh, down the road? And uh, what are your roadmap? 
So it's actually two questions, really, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. I will. I will do the roadmap first. I I okay. don't really have a set roadmap per se, except for new PHP version, new version of an XE book. But the things that I really wanted to, I've done for XE book three zero, but a few exceptions. But I'm now making sure to add things to XE book that can help me to uh, create some commercial projects around that. Because as I said. I work on XDBook on my own. I do need uh, to pay the bills. Indeed. So I've sure. started working on setting up things like Patreon and GitHub sponsors, but mm-hmm. they, they're, they're nice and lots of people contribute to them and very, very happy about. But it isn't quite enough, right? So yeah. in the end, I would like okay. this to be sustainable. And hence, there needs to be a way of having some income around that. So the things that now make it on XDBook roadmap are focused on on making that easier for me to do. And then to talk about adoption and growth, I mean, this is always a tricky thing, right? I mean, it's um, it's an open source tool. I'm sure there's lots and lots of people that use it. but And I would like more people to use it, but mostly because it saves them time, not so much yes. of it being an open source project. The more people you have using it, the more... Mm-hmm likelihood there is of questions about this as well. <laughs> and of course, I don't have the time to to answer and help out everybody getting XDBook going. And yeah, so that makes the, the growing a little bit trickier. However, I have started making uh, more tutorials and I've started doing like, well, maybe once every two weeks, a different five to 10 minute video explaining a specific thing to make it easier for, for new users and already existing users to pick up new things. And I want to work more on that to not only have the videos, but also have uh, text in the form of tutorials and things like that. And mostly that, trying to focus on as many different types of setup that people have, which is always very difficult for me to guess because I don't know how you run your PHP application, right? Do you run it on Docker? Do you use it in Laravel? Do you use Valet? There's so many things now, right? That is something that was really easy. 15 years ago mm-hmm. because everybody was using a lamp stack. Yeah. And yeah, that is yeah, no longer yeah. the case, of course. Yeah. I like your idea that you want to create like a knowledge base around Xdebug to help people get more versed into it and how to self-solve uh, their problem. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that somehow like different stakeholders in different uh, frameworks or communities could have helped their people to tame XDebug into their own environment because, like you say, Laravel, Symfony, Laminas all have a different ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe that could have helped. Did people reach out to you? Or what would you have loved that people could contribute and help you in, a, in, in this regard? Yeah, this is actually an interesting thing because there's so many, I mean, there's so many frameworks and al- almost none of them have reached out. I've actually seen that lots of them started developing their own like very simple debugging things like their sure. debug bars and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but never really pushed to the use. And there's some notable exceptions that in order to, to do, be really proficient at doing the debugging, you need to make use of a debugger, right? Yes, yes. And any language that I start using, so I've, uh, for example, XDebug Cloud, I'm sure we'll get back to it in a moment, it's all written in Go. And the first time I wanted to use that, well, where's the debugger? Yes. Right? The, the thing is, I mean, 
this is what I'm used to, right? It's the same thing that I do when writing C applications. If something goes wrong, well, you cannot print print statements even in C code, but it is a very tedious job, perhaps more so yes. in C, because not only do you need to change the code, you also have to compile it, recompile it every time. And mm -hmm. having then a step debugger, it makes things so much easier. Now it's time for you to be a game changer with the Ring Central Developers Game Changer Program. Grow your skills, help others in the community, and get rewarded with awesome prizes like Ring Central swag, conference tickets, software, iPads, computers, and so much more. Don't just be a developer, be a game changer and join the program today. For more information, visit developers.ringcentral.com. I can totally relate. Uh, like uh, in my first job, I was I started with C Shop and I had this nice, nice Visual Studio and all the debugging goodies there. So when I got back to PHP at a professional level, so the first thing that I was looking forward to was how can I replicate that debugging scenario, which was so smooth in, in Visual Studio. Then I installed Xdebug. I was very amazed. And uh, on my personal side, I was able to install it. I remember I had one issue. Then we communicated via Twitter. It was resolved <laughs> and it was all done. And I wish that Xdebug could get the attention, the glory that it deserved, because a lot of people do not realize the strength, the amazement behind Xdebug in working in their own environment. I tend to believe that because each and every ecosystem are growing their own kind of branded solution to that kind of niche, people are getting swayed away on or getting like too much easy stuff to do. And they forget that XDebug is like, like the Captain America, man. Mm -hmm. It's like incredible. One last thing on this point is how can we as a community is there a need to get more discussion around it with different people, or how can we push Xdebug forward? It's a difficult thing, right? I mean, the maintainers of certain frameworks have very strong opinions about it themselves, and mm -hmm. you often see comments saying, oh, you, nobody needs a debugger because it's all built in, and you can use whatever dumb strategy that you have, which I, think is, I don't think it's a good way of approaching things. Um, I mean, everybody uses these simple tools once in a while, right? A print statement here and there. But if it's anything more more complicated than that, then I don't think you can get around using a debugger. And you really shouldn't because, sure, it, the first time you use it, it might take you a few hours to set up. Although, if you've done this before, it should not take more than five minutes. You get so much time back out of it as long as you get into the habit of just having it always there. Yes, yes. And yes. if you work in such a way that it's always there, you just have to turn it on and mm -hmm. you get to debug right almost instantly without any yes. any extra effort. And mm -hmm. the, the moment you get to that stage, it saves you so much time. Indeed, true, because I've been in that process and I can totally relate with what you're saying. I know you've mentioned quite some challenges already, but is there another co-aspect? What are the hindrance or challenges with respect to the growth and ad adoption of Xdebug? I don't really know. I know that some IDEs, uh, not VS Code or PHP Storm, they, they add additional constraints on 
how the deep looking setup needs to be, making it much harder to get going with. Mm. Or examples here are, for example, NetBeans and Eclipse. They are things that are not necessary for XDBrook or debugging at all, and that's kind of annoying. So I'm hoping to get somewhere uh, to get them to remove these restrictions. I've often good conversation with the, with the PHP Storm team as well as the, the maintainer of the VS Code plugin for uh, Visual Studio. So we, because we're working together, there is improvement there. And yes, we sometimes realize, and especially with XEBook 3.0s, that there are a few things that were just difficult to understand, mostly because I was bad at naming things. <laughs> and hopefully with XEBook 3.0, that, that should be easier as well for people to use them. Uh, one idea come to my mind is, for example, uh, JetBrains and PHP Storm, they have already quite a large ecosystem of PHP developers mm -hmm. and people see the importance of PHP Storm. Is there the possibility, I'm talking uh, to, I'm addressing myself to JetBrains and yourself, uh, is there like, like a mutual work to make XDebug work smoothly on PHP Storm? And mm -hmm. has there been any kind of... Uh, dialogue, any kind of discussion? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And there's a few things that I've added to the protocol to make it easier. So yeah, there's definitely things that happened in the past and will continue to happen in the future if they pop up again. But, yeah, And it's the same thing with uh, the maintainer of the VS Code plugin. Uh, they wanted specific things to make it easy for them to do debugging. And yeah, then I will add these because it makes things a lot easier for, for all the users of the tools. Now we get back to XDebug Cloud, which just recently got my attention. I was thinking that maybe you've identified, you're solving a problem that you've identified with XDebug Cloud. Walk us through what are your intentions, what problems will it solve uh, for, the, for the PHP developers? Okay, for XDebug to work, XDebug needs to talk to an IDE. But what not many people realize that it is XDebug that needs to make the connection. So the server, from a networking point of view, is your IDE. In, in some cases, it is impossible for XDebug to make a connection to your IDE due to networking setup. That can be because there's firewalls in the way, or some users are always on a different network, making it really difficult to set things up because of either NAT in the way or firewalls. Or uh, yeah, it's sometimes just hard to have to reset up your whole system because of changing network uh, issues. Mm -hmm. Or in some cases, people find it really difficult to have XDebug running in a Docker container or in a remote Docker container to make a connection to the ID because it's not possible, right? I mean, if you deploy an application in a cloud environment, there's almost no way, say, running this in Azure or Google Cloud Platform or whatever these things are called, to make a connection to to something that runs on your local machine, right? Which is where you do the yep. debugging. So the idea behind XDebug Cloud is, is that no longer does XDebug need to talk directly to your IDE, but instead it talks to a public IP address, which runs the XDebug Cloud service. And at the same time, an IDE has already made a link or a network connection to the cloud service so that the XDebug Cloud service can route the incoming debugging request, the incoming request from XDebug through the proxy service to the IDE. 
Now, Exhibit always had like a proxy kind of uh, thing in there, but there's many cases where you can't make use of that because it is something that still needs to accept connections on a local-ish network. So if, for example, if you are multiple developers using a remote development server on your office network, you can't really make connections to that because, I mean, you can't make a connection, right? Because there's a NAT service in the way, for example. Yeah. So Xdebug Cloud solves that kind of specific thing. So it is mostly focused on on like more, more on companies than individual users that have these more complicated setups. But that doesn't mean that it also could be something for like smaller outfits that run things in Docker, for example, and that don't want to have to mess with a networking setup all the time to get debugging going. Uh, with the intention, of course, that the debugging is always there for people to use without having yeah, to make complicated setups. So that's what it's there to solve. At this point in time, do you have any insight if the users comprise enterprises, small businesses, or just developers? So I, I primarily want to focus it on the uh, like development agencies or or companies, mostly because doing that is a lot less effort for support. It also makes it much more easier for me to do invoicing and things like that. And on top of that, sometimes it's, it is nearly impossible for me to actually do invoicing. Like, for example, individual users in the European Union, I can't really send invoices to without also registering for tax purposes in the European Union because of this brilliant mm -hmm. thing called Brexit. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you might think I'm not very pleased about <laughs> Um <laughs> So that makes it difficult. Also, it is the I, I, I like having like a more more conversation with people instead of having it as a mass market tool where people can sign up online and there's no interaction at all, for example. Now, of course, I would very much like there are lots of people doing that, but I'd like to have at least at the moment in this beta phase to have a conversation to people that use it. And yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Totally makes sense. You, yeah. you need to prioritize your time and effort. And that's also why the the price point is not there for you can sign up for a dollar a month, for example, right? Because that that adds so much overhead for me at the moment that I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's totally understandable for the amount of, of work. Apart from uh, getting Xdebug installed and uh, an ID, for example, at, like PHP Storm, uh, is there any other hard requirement uh, to use X, Xdebug Cloud? And no, there is no requirement except that you need to have Xdebug 3.0. Uh, being able to talk to a, a public IP address, at the moment that's uh, AWS, but there's no guarantee okay. it stays like that. But the only thing right now is that it only works with PHP Storm and not yet with other IDs because IDs need to implement something to connect to the Xdebug cloud service, okay. which at the moment only PHP Storm is implemented. But the VS Code plugin maintainer is also looking into implementing it there. It's also looking into implementing it for that. Okay. One question again that uh, I think one one way or the other people will think whenever there is like data going through from what from local and to the cloud, how are the data being being treated like privacy wise? There, the connection between uh, the IDE and the cloud service is already SSL. 
the connection between NextDebug and the cloud service isn't yet because it is really difficult to implement that without also requiring OpenSSL, the OpenSSL extension to be present. So I am working on that, but it isn't quite there yet. On the proxy side itself, the, I don't log anything. The only thing I look at is the init packet because it has the user okay. key in there. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't store anything information. I can't even look at it at the moment. Now, of course, if I really wanted to, I could implement that, but I have no intention of doing so. Okay, cool. And if customers are concerned about this, I, I, I can give them a peek at the code if they really want to. But I have thought about this, and uh, the intention is, is if there is a requirement for it, then I would want to have like a, a, a shared secret key based on top of this, hmm. which then yeah. sort of encrypts the protocol, so I can't actually see it. But this requires lots of changes to the protocol itself, meaning that all the IDs will also have to start implementing that, and that can be a big ask sometimes. So that's why that why I haven't done so yet. I like the transparency. I think it will make people feel reassured. Yeah, I, I work quite a bit on, on the privacy kind of sites, especially also with data retention. I'm always of the opinion that if you don't need data, you shouldn't keep it for more than you actually need it for. So, of course, I keep connection logs, but I only keep mm -hmm. them for, I believe, two months is what the time is at the moment. Because beyond that, I don't need them anymore, right? So why keep it? And the same thing with I record how often people connect. And at the moment, also, which PHP versions are being used, but not in a way that it can be related back to any specific debugging request. Because I remove all the user information, and I will uh, even change the time into a less granular resolution so that I can't actually track it back to, to individual debugging requests or individual users in that case, because I don't, I don't need to have this information, so I don't want to keep it. Do you see a need for people like if they want to access the log, will that log be any useful to them, you believe? Um, so at the moment, the, the website, the, the admin interface that customers also see, you can see when you have made connections and how long they have been uh, going on for. And if there was an error, then you'll get an error message there as well. But beyond that, there isn't much to, to okay. record because mm. I don't look at what the data is, so I can't tell you more information. Right? I, I don't even know which script you're using because I don't keep that information. So I can't show you that either. <laughs> Okay, we'll shift attention now uh, to you as a PHP release manager. You mm -hmm. are the PHP release manager for PHP 7.4. Yeah. Can you detail us, like mainly for people that do not have the awareness and insight into the release, what is a release manager? What are the responsibilities involved? So, uh, I've been doing this for over two years now for PHP 7.4 because PHP 7.4 came out and was it 2019, at the end of 2019. And it's about a six-month period before that when you have the alpha and the beta releases and stuff like that. So in, during that period, you need, there's a release every two weeks. And basically, the role of the release manager is to do the packaging and announcement of things. At some point, especially around feature freeze area, which I touched on in a moment, is also... If there's any controversy whether things can make it in or whether there's a specific case where users 
that find issues during the alpha, beta, or release candidate phase of PHP. Sometimes things pop up, and then we need to figure out how to resolve that so this isn't as much of a problem or no problem at all when it finally gets to a general, a general release, usually at the end of November or the beginning of December. But the, may, the main thing of, that release managers do is packaging and announcing, and sometimes also merging security fixes into release branches if necessary. Is this a paid role, if I may ask, or is this a benevolent no. role? No, it's all voluntary. Okay, wow. Yep. So it's a huge amount of hours you're putting in. Uh... It's actually not so much. I mean, uh, there is once PHP gets, when it has been released properly, there is a release every month, sorry, every four weeks. And there's four days on which things need to happen. There's a Tuesday that, that we make the packages on which takes about 15 to 20 minutes or something. That is for the release candidates and the announcements and everything. All of these things are between 15 minutes and half an hour. So it is usually about two hours every four weeks. So that isn't so bad at all. Most of the things are automated anyway, uh, with some, yeah, some work necessary to do by hand. Do you use any kind of uh, tools or services to assist you in your process of releasing uh, your da um, daily routine for this kind of specific task? Well, there's nothing in a daily routine, but the, one, the, the release candidates and the final release that we make every four weeks, we have a, like a, a set of scripts to do most of the work for us. Any challenges you face as a release manager? There aren't often very many. The only thing sometimes that are a bit hairy is when there are security patches, they need to be merged into other release branches. And by release branches, I mean PHP 7.4.22, 7.4.23. And these are usually merged by Stanislav Malishev into the PHP 7.4.8.0 and 8.1 branches. The evening or the day before we make the final release packages, and sometimes it's a bit tricky to figure out which commits actually cherry pick in the, into the release branches. But beyond that, it's not always challenging. And of course, sometimes we mess up and type the wrong things and we have to remake the packages and stuff like that. But to be honest, there's not been very much of that. Feature freeze. Can you tell us a bit about, you mentioned feature freeze earlier. Yeah, so feature freeze is a, is a time where, where after feature freeze happens, you can't add more features. It's pretty much that simple. And it's, that usually happens, what is it? Usually happens at the end of July or something like that. And once in a while, there are some issues that might just have to be done later. But the general idea is that once feature freeze has passed, you certainly can't start any more new RRCs to get things into PHP. But once in a while, the barrier is a bit fluent in order to solve specific cases that were raised before, but didn't quite make the cut and stuff like that. The idea is that with feature fees, we don't add new functionality unless absolutely necessary, which okay. is almost never is. You have a good number of years uh, under your belt. What would be the one mistake that you made and that we could learn from you? Well, so PHP 7.4 isn't the first release series that I've managed. I also did PHP 4.4 many, many, many years ago. And mostly while doing that, we actually 
there was almost nothing automated. Everything had to do, be done by hand. And that was really annoying and cumbersome, and that took a lot more time. So I think the big experience from that is that we started writing everything down. And then after having written everything down, you need to make sure that you fill every, the whole process through the letter. And then over the last following years, most notably the last five years, most of these things have now been automated, which we should have done probably 15 years ago or 20 years ago. So yeah, that'd be my advice. Once you have a process that you don't need to do very often, like in my case, it's now every four weeks, you will forget what you did four weeks ago, right? You might miss, mm -hmm. not remember a specific thing. So writing everything down is really, really important. And then also following what you've written down back to the letter and continue updating it if new things need to pop up or new specific issues have been found as well, which has happened in the past. Okay, let's enough of programming. So let's <laughs> now step into your creative side. Mm. When you are not using your brain power, how are you keeping your creative side? And is there a secret that we didn't know about you? I find it very important to take breaks, uh, specifically very long breaks. Uh, not necessarily during the week, of course, because stuff do need to happen. But I think it's really important to get out and about. And I'm a big fan of taking long, long walks. Um, so the Saturdays and Sundays I spend basically outside unless it's chugging it down with rain. And the thing that I'm particularly keen on is trying to see more new things. So I try to pick long, longer distance paths, uh, two, three hundred miles, which I won't do in one go clearly or one weekend, but I'll do uh, part by part. At a certain moment, I'm walking from London to Birmingham along the Grand Union Canal, which oh. I have another, I think, another 80 or 90 kilometers to go or something like that. But in the UK, it's quite handy because you could just take the train to, have, to the start and mm. end point. I mean, it takes, it takes me an hour to get there. Yes, so yeah, yes. I like I like long distance walking paths. Um, it's been a bit trickier in the last year and a half, but uh, easier again now. And I also like to take uh, photos whenever I go. So I'm a keen photographer. Yes, that that part I remember you like in uh, conferences. I saw you you uh, you like taking pictures and. I have stopped taking my camera to conferences because I know all the people. Well, don't know all the people, but. Many of the people really don't want to be photographed anymore, <laughs> and uh, unless it's to a place I've never been before. But yeah, I very much like um, like taking photos of things, and you can be a bit creative with that, right? I mean, coding is also yeah, creative, but in a very yes, different yes. way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Photography? Are you doing it for the passion, or do you want to like launch a personal side business with it? I have no intention of launching it as a business. Okay. Uh, not everything I think should be business. This should also yes. be enjoyment and just hobby mm -hmm. in there. And that, that's where sure. it is at the moment. And sure. that's where it will stay yep. for now, at least. Yes. When you walk, when you take phot photography, uh, how does it help you in your mental state, in your mental frame? How does it help you in your programming uh, routine? Well, usually there's nothing else to do besides look at nature and listen to it and i think life has gotten significantly more hectic and and i mean especially when you live in a big city such as london right that i think it's really really important to be able to relax and de-stress and and i think walking around in nice green environments is so so good to do for both 
me getting exercise and fresh air, as well as my brain not having to think about anything. Definitely, the brain needs more stillness. Like we can calm down a bit and then focus when we want. Yeah. Thank you for sharing with us. Now we have we are at the final uh, section, which is a rapid fire round. I can't promise they will all be quick, <laughs> and I might say pass. <laughs> yeah, sure, definitely. Let's start. PHP or C programming? C. It's more interesting, and more things can go wrong. Tea or coffee? Uh, tea. Windows or Mac? Linux. I don't do Windows or Mac. <laughs> what are you not very good at? Sitting still and doing nothing. If you were a programmer, what would you be doing? I might be a photographer, or I might be a, an astronomer, because I love spacey things. Oh, wow. If you had to go back in time, what would you do differently? Okay, this might be controversial, but I think I would have started Xebook not as an open source project. Mm. One person you admire in the PHP community? It's Juliet Reines Fulmer. She does a lot of work with WordPress, and WordPress and the PHP community at large don't really talk very much or not at all. And she's really She's trying really hard to make that work better in both ways, which I think is brilliant because WordPress is a large, large user of PHP. And I think it's important that PHP also works for them. Although on the other side, she also works really hard to get WordPress forwards in time by making sure that it can adopt newer PHP versions. One person or project, or even community that you feel is underrated? I think it's PHP Spy. It is this really nice little hacky tool. And because that's, I find it's clever and, and interesting, and it can give you quite a lot of interesting information about running PHP scripts without having to use a specific debugger interaction. I think it's just a really nice little tool. One fact about PHP or the community that you feel few people might, might not know. This is a slightly longer answer, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Go ahead. So in the old days, say PHP 2 and PHP, and I think PH, and early PHP 3, the way how PHP parser worked was read every single character from the file, character by character, and looping instructions like a for each or a while loop were implemented by remembering where the four keywords started on disk, and then when it reached the end, it would seek back to on this to the same position as where the four keywords started, and then reparse, which is not the greatest solution of writing a language implementation. That is, of course, no longer the case. <laughs> well, we are at the end of this episode. Uh, thank you very much, Derek. It has been a great pleasure getting some wisdom and insight from you. And thank you for having me on today. Audience, thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you appreciate what we are doing, please share this episode with your friends and circle. If you feel that we can improve, please reach out to us on Twitter or via email and let us know what we can do to make this podcast enjoyable and more valuable for everyone. Thanks for listening to Voices of the Elephant. Voices of the Elephant is copyright EICC Incorporated and released under a Creative Commons attribution, no derivatives, share and share alike license. To nominate someone to be a guest on Voices of the Elephant, visit our website and click on the nominate link. 
The URL is voicesofthelephant.com. Elephant is, of course, spelled E-L-E-P-H-P-A-N-T.